Hey, for our teaching time this morning, I'm going to uh, do more of a teaching than a conversation that we've been doing over the past few weeks. I'm going to focus on the book of Habakkuk because I believe of all books of the Bible right now, it is probably the most applicable to the situation in our nation that we're dealing with. And, uh, you know, we've talked a lot over the last few weeks about the COVID virus and the impact that it's having on us. And it's like kind of been this parentheses of a season in our life, right? We can tell when something started and we're hoping that there's going to be an end. And it's how do we live in these moments of that? But what we're dealing with and the news that has just flooded our hearts and minds this week of the injustice uh, to people of color has, you know, there, there's not really been, this is not a parenthesis. This is, we don't say, hey, this is when it started and this is kind of when it ended. It is been injustice has been going on for a long time. It's not something that is new uh, just to America or, or just to uh, certain parts of the world. It has uh, been prevalent throughout history, and it's certainly been a major part of our country's history and our country's culture. And even as we have taken strides, and I think we've taken some huge strides uh, as a nation uh, with fighting racism and creating opportunities for equality across the races. We are certainly not there yet, especially when you see uh, issues like have come up in just the past few weeks, right? The, the George George Floyd case in Minnesota is just, it's heartbreaking to watch the video of this man begging for help that he can't breathe. And yet the person in power, a white man in power puts you know, his knee on his neck and basically puts him in a point where he, he causes death. And then you've got the story of Ahmaud Arbery, you know, that where man jogging down the street, minding his own business, is chased down and gunned down. And then you even have locally the story of Christian Cooper, right, in Central Park, where he was filmed uh, minding his own business, asking someone else to follow uh, the rules of Central Park and gets threatened with calling the police on him because he's a black man and with all intents and purposes saying basically, you know, if I call the police on you, you never know what will happen because you're black. I mean, these three instances just in the last few weeks are instances that, that we as followers of Christ can't remain silent about and can't act like it's just isolated incidents, that it's just one other person doing something. Because, okay, it is that. It is this cop doing that. And certainly we can't say one cop's actions is every cop's action. One white lady's actions is not every white person's actions. One you know, group of people from the South who shot down this guy is not everybody from the South. But all that to say is it is symptomatic. When these continue to happen, it is symptomatic of an issue in our hearts and lives and in our nation hearts and lives that has to be dealt with. And it raises some amazingly difficult questions, not only for us as believers, but for God, right? And this is where we find Habakkuk. So Habakkuk is an Old Testament prophet. And most Old Testament prophets, what they did was they talked to the nation of Israel. They told Israel how bad they were. If they didn't change, God was going to do something to bring judgment upon them. And he, they talked to, you know, the nation of Israel. But in Habakkuk, Habakkuk does something different. He actually points his questions toward God. And what he sees is his nation in a bad spot. 
they are not doing good things. They're not heading in the right direction. And he's like, God, how long are you going to wait to act? Like, why are you not dealing with this? And so I want to read a few passage, a few uh, verses here and then uh, tell you the question that he was asking. And I think it's the question most of us ask. So this is Habakkuk 1, 2 through 4. It says, Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And you will not hear. Oh, or cry to you violence and you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. His question, and I think our question that he's raising to God right here is this. He's saying, look, 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 look at what's going on. Our nation is neglecting you and your wisdom. There's violence and injustice everywhere we look. There's corrupt leadership that's going on. Where are you? How long do I have to cry out? And why don't you listen and respond? And I think if you're honest, you probably had some of those same questions this week as well. I have. It's like, God, why does this continue to happen? Why are people's hearts who say that they are one thing and say that they aren't racist or they don't view people in a certain way, why do they continue to act that way? Or why are people so blatantly still racist? Why do they still approach people of a different color, a different nationality, a different race, and view them as less than themselves? Why is that still a part of our mindsets in this world, and especially those of us who follow Christ? Why do we neglect your wisdom? Why do we become corrupt in our nature? Why do we allow violence and why do we participate in violence and injustice? These were the questions. And what I love about Habakkuk is God gives him the freedom to ask questions. And God gives you and I the freedom to ask questions as well. He listens and and he listens and he also responds. And in the next part of the chapter here and, and later on, God actually gives two answers to this question. And they're not easy answers. They're not like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen it. You know, if you would have let me know earlier, I would have done something about it. Or, you know, oh, Habakkuk just, you know, you don't even know what you're talking about. These are deep philosophical answers that God gives. And God gives, and it's, it makes us think. And what it ultimately does is make us ask ourselves, do we trust God? And even in the darkest and most difficult times, that's the question. Right. And this is how God answers. And so God's first answer is in chapter one, verse five. And it says this, God speaking here. And he says, look among the nations and see, wonder and be astonished. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Now, verse five, what God is answering here is saying, look, Habakkuk, what I want you to do is look around. I am doing something. I'm actually doing something wonderful and astounding. You just may not understand it. I love what he says there. He says, I'm doing a work in your day. And I think for many of us right now, we would look at some of our situations with this virus and with this injustice and just like this craziness of 2020, right? I mean, every time you turn on the news or get on the internet, it seems like there's a new issue with 2020. And we're like, God, what is going on? And God is like, hold on. Trust me, look around. I am doing something good and astounding, even in spite of this. I am doing something in your day. And I'm just going to talk from my personal perspective for a minute. 
in the midst of all of this, in the midst of the injustice, in these situations, in the midst of the coronavirus, I can tell you there is not a day that goes by that I'm out and whether it's when I'm serving people or just out having some social distance conversations with people, that people are asking me more and deeper spiritual questions. And again, it's not all easy answers, but I get to talk about God's character and nature more than I feel like I ever have. I get to talk about God's love and mercy more than I feel like I ever have. I get to talk about his forgiveness and my personal experience with God. And these it's just people asking me, I'm not even going to open up these conversations. It's happened multiple times on days and just about every day. And so there is good. It does not mean what is happening is good. It's not that we are excusing what is going on and saying, oh, okay, well, that's that's good. It's not. But what is God is saying here is if you will look around, look deeper, look look beyond. You don't don't ignore it. But if you look deeper and look beyond, there is good happening. I'm still doing good. I'm still bringing about the redemption of all things. And then he answers again later in chapter two. He gives Habakkuk another answer to this question. And it's in verse chapter two, verse two and three. And it says this. And the Lord answered and said, write the vision Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. What God was doing here was he was giving Habakkuk a vision for their future. I don't know exactly what that was. There's a little bit of it described here, but he was giving Habakkuk a a vision for their future that says, look, I told you to look around, but now I'm telling you to look ahead to see about the faithfulness of God ahead of us. And this is just saying, look ahead. I will bring justice. I will demonstrate my power in the fullness of time, in the exact right time. And we may think we need God to act now, today, in this moment. We need God to bring justice immediately. We need God to bring a cure immediately. Like, this is when it is. This is the need. Do it now. And God says, okay, look around. I'm doing, there's there's good deeper and beyond. But even more so than that, look ahead. And by looking ahead, you will remember that there have been other times in your life, other times in history, when there have been just as dark and difficult days and my faithfulness has maintained. And so no, I'm writing a vision for the future. God is writing a vision for your future, for our future, for our nation's future. I don't know what that vision is. God hasn't given it to me personally, but I do know and trust him enough to know that he is writing that vision for our future. And so in the midst of all of this, I wanna tell you when you get frustrated, when you have questions, legitimate questions of God, Remember these two answers, to look around you and look beyond, look deeper, and to see the good that is working, and then to remember to look ahead and to think about the faithfulness of God in the past and how it will continue to play out in the future. This is all great, right? I mean, I can remember those two things, look around and look ahead. But what does God's answer actually mean for us today? And I think there's four things that we can think about as we take these answers into our time and into our lives right now. And the first one is to remember this, that he hasn't 
and he will never abandon us. That's at the core of his two answers. I'm with you now and I'll be with you in the future. He hasn't abandoned us and he will not abandon us. The second thing that I think this reminds us is this. God can use any situation to demonstrate his salvation. Think about that for a minute. God can use any situation to demonstrate his salvation. When is the salvation of God actually most on display? In the most desperate of times, in the darkest of times. You know, I I can be in a, a foot of water and feel like I need saved because I feel wet and you know if some if a wave catches me it might knock me over. But it, you know, in a foot of water, I I can save myself. I can you know might need a little help from somebody. But I'm in a hundred foot of water and I can't swim and I'm overcome with fatigue and I'm starting to to drown and go under the water. There's no salvation that I have within myself in that moment to save myself. It has to come from outside. And this is the beauty in our deepest and darkest personal moments, national moments, you know, in in the city and wherever we're at, in those deepest, darkest moments, that's when God demonstrates his salvation the most. And the third thing I think we need to realize is this, is that while God's grace is sufficient for everyone, there will be those that experience his judgment because they reject his lordship. There are those that that are corrupt leaders. There are those that are instigating violence and injustice against mankind. There are those that are mindfully pushing away God and pushing out his wisdom. And God's grace is sufficient for them. There is no corruption that his grace can't overcome. There's no violence and injustice that his mercy can't overtake. And there is no personal pride that he can't overcome as well. So his grace is sufficient. But there are going to be those who live in their personal pride and violence and injecting violence and injustice into the world and living in corruption that choose that path. And there will be a day that God's grace will be removed and judgment will come. It's going to happen. It's, it's the story of scripture. And so know that there is judgment coming. But I think this brings us to the fourth thing that we kind of need to remember out of these answers, which is this, is that the mercy of God is still available to each of us. We each in our own ways have neglected his wisdom. We have embraced violence and injustice and corruption. And God is giving us the fullness of time to embrace him as well. And I know we can look at these situations and we should point fingers at people, we should point out who did this and that they were in the wrong. But you know, there is as much, there's there's deceit in my life, there's injustice in my life, there's corruption in my life, and I'm grateful that God's mercy is still available to me and he's not judging me immediately in those moments, that he is giving me a chance to repent. He is giving me a chance to experience his redemption and restoration. So what does this mean that we should do in times like this? When we stare injustice in the face and we see it on TV and it litters our Facebook feeds and what do we say? What do we do? I've thought all week, should I write something? Should I do this? And it's a struggle because I don't want to just write something and feel like that I've done something because I truly haven't. I mean, I can speak and I think part of what I'm doing today is speaking about this issue more than I could ever write about it. But what does this mean that we should, any of us should do in a time like this? And the first is this, some things to remember. 
we should rally against injustice. Point it out. Stand in the gap. Speak the truth. Call it what it is. Rally against injustice. And whether you do that in conversations, whether you do that with people, we should rally against injustice. Don't let it go unnoticed. Speak to speak it out. Speak the truth. Call it what it is. Call it racism. Call it white supremacy. Call it white nationalism. Call it whatever you want to call it. Whatever the truth is, speak it out. Entitlement. Speak it out. Point it out. When you see it happen, don't just walk by it. Point it out and stand in the gap. Be willing to stop injustice to allow that pain to come to you for a moment. To bear the brunt of that pain so that person who is vulnerable and been the object of injustice can recover and heal. That's a huge step. But it's not the only thing that we do. The second thing I think that we should do in times like this is to remain at peace and to do the work of a peacemaker. When we see injustice as a follower of Christ, the goal is, is, is to defend the afflicted and also direct the perpetrator to wisdom. So remain at peace and do the work of a peacemaker. And this is hard sometimes because what we like to do is not, we like to repay evil with evil. We like to hit when we've been hit. We like to slap when we've been slapped. We like to show injustice when injustice has been poured out on us or those that we love or those in our people group or our dear friends or whoever it is in our life. When we see injustice, we want to pour it back out. And we can see this, right? You know, you can see it in our country happening right now. It's not a time of peace. And this is where Christ followers is different, is that we are called to remain at peace and to do the work of a peacemaker. And I think one of the things that troubles me the most about this is that, you know, we actually sometimes have, there are groups of people out there who seem to get more vocal and upset about the damage and the loss of property than they are about the emotional and physical damage to people and the loss of life. And we, we compare looting and rioting and protesting to the injustices that were took men's lives, that threatened a man's life. And I'm not saying either are right. Like this is this is where we get into this debate, right? And this is where the Christ follower really gets to make a difference. I don't get to stand on a mess soapbox and only say, you know, one of this is unjust and the other isn't. And I don't get to stand on my soapbox and say, well, I, I said one thing, but, you know, looters and rioters, you're actually, now you're just getting what you deserve. That That is the epitome of not understanding and having white privilege or having majority privilege is when we actually value physical, tangible things over people. And so this is how being a peacemaker shows up, right? We don't instigate violence. We don't condone it. We're not, we're not in the back pushing it. But we are standing in response. We are speaking out. We're rallying against, you know, racism. We're rallying against injustice. But we are also trying to do our best to bring peace into the situation and pay, play the role of a peacemaker. So rally against injustice. Second thing, remain at peace and do the work of a peacemaker. And then I think the third thing that we should do is to resist the desire to take on the role of judge. And when we take on the role of judge, it doesn't 
again, it doesn't mean that we can't have judgment. We can have judgment and say that's racism, that's injustice. But when we take on the role of the judge, we start dispensing punishment and retribution. We start saying we know how much they should be repaid in kind. We start setting the rules and we start determining what level of punishment and retribution should be handed out. And I know that I can't do that devoid of emotion. I can't do it with perfect wisdom and I can't do it with a perfect knowledge of the situations. And so if I don't, if I can't do it devoid of my emotions, my own personal feelings about it are devoid of, of all the information and all wisdom that I would need. And I am not a righteous judge. I'm not. I can be a person of judgment and say, I can judge that that is unfair, but I am not the one who is called to dispense the punishment and the retribution. And so resist that desire. The final thing that I think we, this means for us in these times is this. And this is, this is the true job of a Christ follower is remind everyone that the only solution for the brokenness of mankind's heart and soul is the saving work of Jesus Christ. It's not a new government policy. It's not a new leaders. It's not a new standard of, of living for people. Those, I, I could take all of those. Those would all be great, but it's not going to solve the brokenness of man's heart. It's not going to make every problem go away. And so what we must do is remind everyone in times like this that the only way we truly experience healing from our brokenness is by the saving work of Jesus Christ in our life. This man who came and lived a life of peace, who was God in the flesh, who showed love better than anyone in history ever has, who demonstrated mercy and grace to each individual and offers that same mercy and grace today to us through his sacrificial death. That's the work of Christ. And that is the salvation of mankind's heart and soul. It comes from nothing else. There's nothing else. Not another class you can take. There's not another guru to listen to. The saving work of Christ is the only thing that brings healing to the brokenness of our hearts and allows us then to resist the urge to be a judge and to remain and do the work of a peacemaker and to rally against injustice. So let me let me close with this because to do this, it's, there's a passage later in Habakkuk that talks about how the righteous then live by faith. And even when we look around and don't see the hand of God or we don't understand the hand of God, and even when we look ahead, and we can't fathom how God will work all of this to some kind of good in the future, those that follow the Lord walk in faith because of his faithfulness. And this is where Habakkuk eventually came to at the end of chapter three. All of this, he eventually comes down and says, you know what, God, you're right. I'm looking ahead. I'm looking around. I'm seeing you. I understand you have more wisdom than me. I understand there's a role for me to play. and I'm going to play that role well. But he says, even if I don't understand it all, guess what? And this is what he says. This is Habakkuk 3, starting at verse 17. He says, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread 
on my high places. And I just love that Habakkuk gets here. And this is my prayer for us as we get here as well. Even though injustice may continue, even though situational and circumstantial problems are going to keep coming our way, even though we'll lose jobs, we'll lose opportunities, even though things aren't going our way, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Because of his faithfulness in my life, I can walk in faithfulness ahead. So that's my prayer for us today, that we would walk in faithfulness as we walk through these dark and difficult times, as we deal with difficult situations, as we have difficult conversations. Walk in righteousness, walk in faithfulness. And in doing so, be that peacemaker, stay away from being the judge, rally to injustice and stand against it. But in the midst of it, remind everyone that the only hope for mankind is the work of Christ. I know this is a discussion that's hard just to have online or even just in 20, 25 minutes. Uh, and I really encourage you to connect, call somebody, uh, get on a, a Zoom, connect with somebody and, and have these conversations. Talk about the challenges that maybe the scripture brought up, the questions that you're having. So I want to say a quick prayer for us and then Katie's going to come and close our time. God, I'm grateful that you're a God of answers. And you're a God that welcomes questions. And then God, help us this week to ask those questions, to be willing to come before you, sit in front of you and have a conversation that we know that you'd be willing to hear us, but God also let us be willing to hear from you. Let us begin to, to remind ourselves, even in these dark and difficult times, that we can walk in faithfulness because you have been faithful to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.